This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. On this morning's show, I want to do an ad hoc survey of sports parents and of coaches everywhere. And I want to ask you a fairly straightforward question. It's a question that hopefully will make you think a bit. And I'm eager, of course, to to hear from you, get your thoughts and comments. 877-337-6666. That's, of course, our number here at The Fan. Okay, here we go. In your experience, are there any differences between coaching girls and boys? (laughs) Yep, that's my question. As a coach or as a parent, are there any differences between the way in which you motivate or communicate or coach girls or boys. Now, think about this. Title IX was passed close to 50 years ago, and by all accounts, that law, which guarantees full equality for all athletes, regardless of one's gender, has been a overwhelming success. We now have several generations of athletes who have grown up in our country where men's and women's sports are fully accepted in every way. And, of course, that's the way it should be. But beyond that landmark ruling back in 1972 of Title IX, these days we, well, we we have girls kicking field goals and extra points and catching touchdown passes in high school football games. We have lots of girls playing on boys' ice hockey teams. Girls play on boys' baseball teams. Uh, and we do still have boys playing on girls' high school field hockey teams. I mean, we've actually gotten to the point where these kinds of sporting developments don't even make headlines anymore. It's, it's almost become routine. So there's no question that we've come a long way regarding equality, full equality in sports. But what about the actual coaching, the actual day-to-day coaching of boys and girls? Are there... Real differences in one's approach? Are, are boys and girls wired differently in the way they respond 
to our coaching techniques? Are there any differences when it comes to, again, motivating the different sexes? Are there any aspects of coaching girls and boys that really are significant and are important to bear in mind? As a coach, do you consciously change the way in which you communicate with the athletes depending on their gender? And I, I, I want to get into this this morning, and of course I want to get your thoughts. For, for starters, when I was preparing the show, in order to give a little background, I, I, I started thinking about some of the coaches who have grown up in this the last, uh, since the impact of Title, Title IX. And I wanted to find those coaches who had to basically confront these issues about coaching boys, girls, men, women in sports. And uh, pretty much I, I want to start with Anson Dorrance uh, at the University of North Carolina. He's often recognized as the best women's intercollegiate soccer coach of all time. So let's start with Anson because he's been legendary in his coaching career at, at UNC and in coaching the women's soccer team there. I mean, his track record is impeccable. His Carolina soccer teams, the women's teams, have won an astounding 21 NCAA championships over the years. Think about that for a moment. 21 NCAA championships with the women's program. But here's the kicker. People often forget that Anson also coached the men's soccer team at UNC. That's right, from 1977 until 1988, Dorrance compiled with the men's team a record of 175 wins, just 65 losses, and 21 ties. In fact, when his men's team at UNC went to the Final Four in 1987, that same year he was also named as the NCAA's Men's Soccer Coach of the Year. So clearly, he was pretty good with the men as well. His overall record? As a coach at at University of North Carolina, men's and women's, 1,061 wins, 142 losses, and just 63 ties. Again, 1,061 wins, just 142 losses. My point is, Anson Dorrance has had lots of experience coaching both men's and women's soccer, and he's had tremendous success. Okay, now... Here are some of his basic observations, which I've basically uh, culled from various articles uh, he's written or where he's been interviewed about what he sees as the differences between coaching uh, men and women. And again, he, he does think there are differences. These are his thoughts, and, you know, these may surprise you. But let me read some of his observations to you, and again, I'm, I'm curious to get your reaction. Okay, number one. Leading by the force of your personality isn't effective. And again, this is Anson's thoughts. Uh, When I first began coaching women, I was a typical sideline critic. Like many coaches, I, I couldn't keep it to myself. In the beginning, I was continually muttering about mistakes or poor performance, and some of my comments were quite harsh. During the beginning of one women's game that had immediately followed one of the men's game I had also coached. Back in the day, he would coach the men's game and the women's game the same day. Uh, in any event, one of my midfielders who was closest to the sideline and thus got all, was getting all of the verbal abuse said to me, Sit down, Anson. You're coaching the women now. And since I had just finished coaching the men and was still in my men's coaching mode, my natural instinct was to continue aggressively coaching and what my gender dictates. 
The great lesson was that in this environment with our young women, it just didn't work. Number two, lead with your humanity. Early on, I learned that you don't lead women effectively through intimidation. You have to be savvier than that. You lead by gaining their respect, by being sensitive to their strengths and weaknesses, and by showing that you value their contributions. You will not succeed if women feel their relationship with you is simply dependent on their soccer success. Number three, this is interesting. Men need videotape, women don't. If you make a general criticism of a men's team, they all think you are talking about someone else. Videotape is proof of the guilty party. But you don't need that proof with a woman. In fact, if you make a general criticism of women, everyone in the room thinks you're talking about her. If you tell a woman she made a mistake, she'll believe you. Seeing it on tape only makes it worse. However, because I've found that a lot of women do not have the confidence to feel that they're as good as they actually are, we use our videotape as highlight reels in order to build their confidence. And it doesn't mean a female player doesn't want or need criticism. No, it's simply that it's important to choose the appropriate method with which you deliver that critique. Moving on, your tone is critical. My greatest halftime talk to men well, kicking a wastebasket in frustration and anger. That let them know how I felt in no uncertain terms. Well, what do you think, I will ask women, during a particularly tough game. I do this because I want them to be self-critical. Very rarely do male athletes take full responsibility. Men respond to a passionate or an emotional rant. But women see that for what it is, my own frustration. They don't see how that benefits them. In my experience... Women will criticize themselves honestly. Asking them to take responsibility eliminates the coach from the equation. Then, when they've evaluated themselves, showing the way and building confidence and positive attitudes, that becomes our job. Also, when a man is criticized, he understands it's just someone taking his game apart, not taking his life apart. But a woman doesn't often separate the two. So I've learned that women listen less to what I say than to how I say it. In other words, they listen less to the language and more to the tone of my voice. They also watch your body language. And if either of those are negative, that's the message that comes through regardless of what comes out of your mouth. Again, these are comments from Anson Dorrance, the highly, highly respected coach at UNC. Praise has to be doled out differently. Men love public praise. <laughs> but if you praise a young woman publicly, every woman in the room now hates her with a passion. And every woman in the room also hates you because you have not praised her. <laughs> to top it off, the young woman you've praised hates you for embarrassing her in front of her teammates. However, a sincere and well-timed individual comment such as, well, you were awesome, can be very effective and meaningful for any player regardless of their gender. Making connections is important. Men don't necessarily want a relationship with a coach. With women, however, you need to establish a different relationship with each one. Some women don't want any kind of connection, while others require a closer and more caring relationship. 
Some want constant feedback, some don't want any. However, what the relationship is, it must be a relationship of their choosing. They will let you know what they need or don't, and it's your job to respond. Okay, that's some of the collected wisdom of Anson Dorrance, one of the country's greatest, perhaps the greatest college soccer coach, talking about coaching the differences between men and women. What do you think about this? I mean, this he was pretty candid in what he had to say, and, and you know, this is fairly controversial. I mean, to him, there are all sorts of differences, and clearly over the years of his coaching career at UNC, he's made these adaptations. I mean, I, I mean just as, in, for example, the thought about, about men needing videotape uh, and, and praise, uh, you know, and, and the fact that men need the videotape to see the mistakes. Whereas uh, with women, you know, he's saying that if you, if you use, if you criticize or praise a woman in front of their entire team, they're going to, they're going to feel like um, that the rest of the team is, uh, is either angry at them or envious of them. It's not, it's not going to be a positive, even though you, as a coach, you felt you had something important to say and to praise a, a young woman for their, for their performance. But the rest of the, the women, the girls there are going to be now, uh, he says, they're going to hate her with a passion. And the woman who got praised is going to hate you as the coach for embarrassing her in front of her teammates. I thought that's pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, and again, I, I, I wonder what you think about that. Um, I, I just, I think there's a real concern here about where we are in terms of coaching men and women. Now, those are the thoughts of Anson Dorrance. Let me give you also... I'm just, uh, you know, I want to sort of balance this off and give you the thoughts from a, of a women's soccer coach who's had great success, uh, the former Boston College women's soccer head coach, Allison Foley. Uh, she, she's also uh, worked, obviously, uh, with great success in college sports, working primarily, of course, with women. And she says, for example, that Anson Dorrance once gave her an invaluable piece of advice when she first started coaching. And, and he, he told her, told Allison, to give the girls on the team the first 10 minutes of practice. Let them all catch up with each other during this time. As a result, you'll have their full attention for the next 80 minutes of practice. If you don't give them those 10 minutes right away at the start, they will then try to get their 10 minutes throughout the entire practice, meaning they are constantly distracted. And, you know, Coach uh, Foley said, I, did, I followed Anson's advice. I give my team 10 minutes of warm-ups where they can ask each other and interact, talk about their tests, boyfriends, roommate situations, and all the other things that are on their mind. This bonding time among the women, among the girls, is really important to them. And, and once they have reconnected with each other, they are then ready uh, to get down to work at practice. Uh, and again, this, she says the same theory applies to younger girls who've been sitting at school all day. They want those 10 minutes at the start of practice to chat. They need this time at the start of practice to decompress and to connect with their teammates. It's a significant difference in the ways that girls and boys can differ in sports, but it's not the only one. Now, let me just, I mean, let's talk about this for a second. Again, she, this is from Anson Dorrance, handing it down to Allison Foley at BC. Uh, you know, the fact is they're saying you only have so many minutes of a practice session 
and before you even think about uh, getting into the, the skills and drills and, and talking strategy and so on and so forth, it's absolutely critically important that you give the girls, women, 10 minutes at the start of practice during the warm-up session where they can basically just be social and to interact with their, their teammates. It's simple as that. Uh, that. That is really kind of... I think extraordinary because with boys, with men's, you would you wouldn't do that. You just say, let's get into it, let's get going. We got work to do. Let's move on. But the social element is pretty interesting. So, and, and I have other thoughts from uh, from Allison Foley as well, which I, I want to share with you, uh, and I'll probably do it on the other side of the commercial break. But again, already in this one segment, you've heard from two very successful college soccer coaches talking about the differences when it comes to coaching women, men, boys, girls, and these are significant differences. And as I'm saying, if you are a youth coach or you're a high school coach, travel team, club team, whatever it might be, you, you know, this, these are things you have to bear in mind. And in fact, you may have other points of view as well. I mean, as I said, I have more of these comments, but I, I want to take a break and obviously get, get, uh, get your thoughts and, and feedback as well at 877-337-6666. All right, so let me, let me take a time out here. When I return, I'll give you some more thoughts from Allison Foley, the former uh, successful uh, women's soccer coach at Boston College, and we'll take your calls as well. Stay with me. You know, I, I, I'm presenting some thoughts and comments about uh, the differences between coaching boys and girls, and, you know, I just went through in the first segment a, a, a pretty good detailing of uh, UNC head women's soccer coach Anson Dorrance and all the various differences that he has seen over the years. I mean, from his perspective, there are lots of differences between coaching uh, men and women. Um, and, and I also, uh, before the break, uh, mentioned some comments from Allison Foley, the, the former very successful head coach at Boston College. Um, from these 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 coaches' perspectives, this isn't a question of like is is there? There are lots of differences, and obviously it has shaped the way in which they they've coached their players. I mean, uh, Foley. Uh, in addition to the comments I made before uh, for the, the the commercial break, she just says things like this: uh, Girls tend to be better listeners than boys. Girls are more likely to play for each other. Girls are more likely to feel an attachment for their coach. Boys can still perform for a coach to whom they don't feel connected in a way that girls aren't able to. Boys tend to be braver and more confident. Girls want to feel they're accepted. A female player can't be in the unknown. She can't be uncertain about how the coach feels about her. Girls want you to know them as a whole person and not just for their abilities as, a, as an athlete. Girls are more likely to be perfectionist. Girls tend to doubt their abilities. Girls are more afraid to fail. Boys tend to inflate their abilities. In other words, there are all sorts of these observations, and these are coaches, in uh, you know, in the trenches. These are this is how they've gone about learning to motivate and communicate with their players. So clearly, there are differences, at least from the coach's perspective. I mean, I, I'm curious as if whether you have other observations as well and again we realize that this is all generalization uh, it's hard to come up with real solid empirical evidence uh, and quite frankly in this world of title nine of, of total equality turns out that from the coach's perspective there are major major differences in the way you go about treating your players 
like Anson Doran said, you got to be very careful as to your tone, uh, your, your, your verbal tone with the women players. You got to be careful as to how you dole out praise. I mean, I, I got to tell you, this to me is fascinating. And I'm curious as to what you think as well. 877-337-6666. Let's get into this. Let's start our conversation this morning with, uh, with Ed Ward over in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ed, good morning. You're first up on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you doing? Good, Ed. Good. I, it was interesting hearing those, those two, the comments of the two coaches. I, I, you know, I primarily have coached men, but yep. I didn't realize all the things that you have to go through to try to coach coach females, it, it was very interesting. And uh, if I ever had the opportunity of coaching females, I'd, I'd have to remember all this information about it. Yeah, I I, I tell you, I mean, I I have uh, over the years uh, at the youth level, I've coached obviously boys and girls, um, and I I always had a sense that there might be some differences, but at the same time, I was always sort of driven by the fact that, no, 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 you want to make sure everybody is treated equally, and, and you don't want to have any, you don't want to waver from a sense of total equality, but clearly these are coaches at the uh, at the collegiate level say, oh, no, no, you got to make, there are real differences, and if you want to get the most out of your team, you got to understand the way in which they perceive you, and the way in which they, 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 uh, they want to basically be be motivated to play for you it's, it's, it's well i've had a few a few of my friends are, are male coaches who started out coaching uh the men yeah now they're coaching females and they actually enjoy it they they feel the the, the women athletes they don't have no ego they want to get better and they're willing to try things out you know that that uh a coach suggested on they seem to want to get better which, as, as you said before, uh, the, the men sometimes, you know, don't don't really work as hard per se. And, uh, and I've, I've got like about five or six friends that, that made that transition, and they really enjoy coaching females. Yeah, I, I will tell you that I've heard that as well, that, uh, that uh, you know, for, from, from the male perspective, male coaches who have worked with uh, both boys and girls, that uh, they often come uh, conclude that it's more – enjoyable from a coaching perspective to to work with the girls as opposed to the boys and again this has nothing to do with sports parenting in the sense that they're not dealing with the parents they're talking with actual kids you know on, on the, the soccer pitch or on in the basketball court or it might be they said you know the girls tend to be more better listeners and that was one of the comments that I think, uh, you know, Allison Foley had said, they're better listeners, which if you're a coach, that makes it a lot easier in order to uh, you get your, your strategy and skills and drills across. I mean, I, I think there's something to be said here. And I, I you know, it, it's up to the, the sociologists uh, to figure out, you know, why this is and how girls and boys, you know, evolve differently in terms of their enjoyment of sports. But it is curious. Ed, thank you, for as always, for the call. Have a great day, Rick. You Stay take dry. care. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I think, of course, about uh, Gino Oriema, the, the legendary women's basketball coach at UConn. I'm pretty sure that early on in his career in reading his uh, autobiography, uh, he was pretty tough as nails, uh, sort of like a, a drill sergeant uh, with the women who came through UConn. But I think in recent years, 
I think he's sort of mellowed a bit in the way he tries to communicate, uh, and and he's toned down or turned down his his uh, his, his sort of very very outrageous uh, drills and skills in terms of communication. I don't know that. I'm not at his practice sessions, but I get the sense from watching uh, his teams on, uh, on on television that perhaps he has become, as I say, a little softer, mellower in terms of communicating with his great basketball players. Let's let's move on. Let's go up to uh, to Jack Smithlin over in Jersey. Jack, good morning. I know Jack, I know you coach women's softball and I know you've coached a <laughs> well, lot of uh, boys and girls ahead. over the years. So this must I know this is a, a topic that is near and dear to you. Tell me about your thoughts. Well, your... well, well Rick, you know, when I first started coaching, you know, about 48 years ago, my first team was a male team in Passaic New Jersey, and half the players didn't speak English. So, you know, and that made it difficult. But, yeah. you know, when you were talking about um, allowing the girls, this is just a little addition to what you said. But one of the things that I found out was that when allowing the girls to do that, have that 10 or 15 minutes at the beginning of practice when they're stretching, don't be there. Don't go over by them. Don't. Huh. Go, I see so many coaches when they're stretching, they're walking around the circle and just, you know, Get away from them. Let them be by themselves because if they think you're listening, you know, especially if they haven't made a connection with you yet. Listen, one of the things you said, boys will play for a coach that they don't connect with. They will. They'll play because they want to get out and play. Girls will not. Girls will play when you actually know them as a person. They want you to actually be there and know them as a person, not just an athlete. Mm -hmm. And when they make that connection – you know what? You know they strive for excellence, and you know, like you said, in in playing and coaching men, you know, every coach has his favorites. You know, and and if anybody out there tells me they don't, they're not telling the truth because everybody has their favorites. A great coach will never allow anybody to know who those favorites are. If you ever allow a girls' team to know who your favorites are, you're going to lose more than half the team. So you know, dealing with them is such an important part of knowing them as a true woman, okay? In coaching younger girls, you got to remember, you are a father figure to them, all right? And in all of my years, I've coached young kids, and I've coached high school varsity, and I've coached, you know, softball and soccer. I've coached men's soccer, too, and I've coached wrestling. We had a girl wrestler on the Fairlawn team, and I remember our head coach was this, you know, I mean, Frank Guadagnino was one of the best coaches ever to come out of New Jersey. And, you know, he treated her like a guy. And you know what? She grew up with brothers that beat her up every day. So that particular female, you could treat like a guy. You're right. But a female coming in to wrestle, and we've had others in the past, you know, that came in to wrestle just to wrestle. You've had to understand that they were a female. You couldn't treat them the same way. You know, this girl got beat up every day by her brothers, so she liked that rough, tough stuff. But she was still a female. Over the years, in all my years of coaching, I've always put a female on my staff. Why? Because some girls, not a lot, but some girls will connect with females better than males. Okay, and what will happen is, is that if a girl has a problem, I mean a serious problem, yeah. not a boyfriend problem, yeah. but I'm talking about serious problems, and you and I have discussed some of these problems, and they'll, you, your hair will fall out when you hear what these problems are, but they'll connect with a guy before they'll connect with a female. And, you know, I've always had a girl, a female on my staff. Never did I have 
a, a staff without a female. And mostly if I had two assistants, both assistants were females. And it always seemed that they connected with the male, with me. If you give well, them the, the, your Jack, heart, let, me, let me stop you there. I find that curious. If, 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 a, if a young woman, you know, a girl, uh, you know, has having some serious issues, whether it's at home, at school, whatever, you feel that they, they're more likely to connect with you as the male as opposed to the, yes. the, the female assistant coach? Yep. Why? Because I'm more of a father figure. Oh, I you know? see. I'm more I see. of that. I mean, and I'm going to tell you something, and it might seem strange, the same way that you just questioned it, Rick, and it yeah. is. But in my 48 years of coaching females, I'm going to tell you that I've had stories and things come to me that where they had the opportunity to go there female. They'll play better for you if they feel connected to you. A guy doesn't need to feel connected. Yeah, he well, just that's... wants to go out there and show you how great they are. I mean, that, that's like what, you uh, said before. Yeah, I mean, Allison Foley made that clear in her observations that, oh. uh, you know. Oh, that, man. You know. What, what about, now, I can ask you, uh, you mentioned before about the 10-minute, the, the, the um, you know, warm-up period. With your yep. softball team, in college, do you do that as well? You let the, 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 the girls have their 10 minutes at the start yep. of each practice, and you, you don't, you don't yep. get involved? You just stand off to the side? Nope, I stand off to the side, and something that, that Ashley Martinez, our head coach, she understands that well, too. She was a female who connected with most of her male coaches. And, you know, it's, it, it's something that, you know, you know, people have theories that doctors are, you know, are, are, are great, you know, but doctors are here, uh, doctors are human, too. Doctors make mistakes. Coaches make mistakes and things like that. Yeah. Women want that connection. They will play for you if they feel connected to you. And I'm going to tell you something. A boy will trust you because of your title. A girl will not. They will trust you because of who you are, what you do, and what you believe. So you're you know? saying... And if you don't... Go ahead. Yes, yeah, that's an interesting observation as well. Uh, you're saying that the, that the boy will look uh, as the athletes say, well, he's the head coach and he's got a great track record or he's been, he's, you know, the team did well last year. So I immediately trust him. But the woman, the girl might say, well, I really, that coach has to, may have a great record uh, and she's the head coach, but she has to prove to me that uh, she's worthy of my, uh, my, you know, connecting with her. Is that what you're saying? Uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. They will huh. play for you if they trust you and believe in you and they know that you care and love them. Seriously. Hey, guys will do the same, but more likely the girls will. Girl, guys will still, like you said before, and you were 100% correct, guys will talk over their skill level. Yeah. Girls will always yeah. talk under their skill level, you know. And like you said before, that if you call a girl out with a positive thing, you just lost her. <laughs> she doesn't want, she does not want that positive feedback in front of everybody. You want to pull it on the side, that will do a lot for her. Don't ever, you know, say, oh, well, you know, Allison had such a great game today. Why can't we play more like Allison? And I've heard men say that about their players, male and female, mostly male. You know, the guys, listen, this is a tricky situation because females, like you said, they have a tendency to listen. They connect. They connect better. And they'll work for, they'll play for each other before they'll I, play for themselves. Guys I just, won't. Guys I find... will first play for themselves. I, again, there's so many aspects of this, and, and not to oh, not boy. to not to say that you know I'm a dinosaur, but obviously I I, I probably am tone deaf with this. Uh, but I mean, when you say, for example, and this is, comes from Anson Dorrance, you know, he says, no, if, if you if you call out 
a one of your players uh, as a fem female player and and give them high praise to single them out in front of their team, you're going to have a double whammy. First of all, uh, the girl is going to be angry because now you've publicly embarrassed her, and two, the rest of the team is going to hate her and you for doing that. Uh, that that is so that is a real stark contrast to. Uh, boys and guys, how they would respond to the same kind of thing. They would do, have a totally gonna, different reaction. Oh, definitely. I'm going to tell you a quick story real quick. I know that you have a lot of callers on because this is a super, super topic, and it's something that, you know, only you would think of bringing to people's attention. But here's the situation. When I was coaching, my first coaching job at Fairlawn in softball was JV. I was waiting for the men's job to open up, and the AD says, hey, take the girls' JV job. You know, like it was nothing. Like yep. it was absolutely nothing. But I said, okay, and I fell in love with them. I fell in love with the girls. They were much easier to coach. They would play for you. But one of the things I always did as a coach was connect. I connected not only on the field, but in your classroom, at home, and even in your social life. Because then you, when you know that player inside and out, you can deal with those players' per problems much better, much better. But I had a girl that was a super kid coming up. She was playing, she was a freshman playing on the JV team. We, we bypassed her in, in, in freshman. She went right to JV. And this kid was a superstar. The kid was just, should have been at her level, but not, she didn't have the experience as the varsity, but she should have been playing at varsity at her level. Uh -huh. And I singled her out, positive single out in, in a game, okay? And I didn't get in the other girl's faces. I just made her, I used her as an example. I lost her. The other girls that were trying to make the team and get into the starting lineup started kind of bullying her, and she wound up quitting. I remember going to her house, sitting with her mom and dad and her at the, at the dinner table or at the dining room table, right. and I told her that, I, and I apologized to her for what I did. I didn't realize that it meant, you know, what it meant and what it was, what, you know, when I say those, those magic words, think before you speak, yeah. think before you act, I didn't think. I just was trying to praise her because of how well she did and, and, and her leadership qualities. Well, I lost her. She quit the team. And I went over and talked to mom and dad. And what I did is I said, listen, what I can do right now to get you back in the game, because you are a player, I'm going to put you back on the freshman team where the girls, you know, are really, they know you because you're a freshman, but you played with those girls before. And she played for the freshman team. She went back. I made sure every single day that things were good. With the, with the freshman coach. Yep. And the following year, she came up to varsity. She wound up being a first-team All-State player in the senior year. But I'm going to tell you, if I didn't show her love by going over and apologizing to her, I don't think she would have ever come back and played the game. And this is all because so, you, had, you had praised her. I praised her. I gave her, you know, like I said, wow, you know, this kid deserves this praise. <laughs> but don't, don't do it in front of her friends. Pull her on the side. Coaches, learn this. Please learn this lesson. Uh, Pull her on the side and compliment her. Amazing. Don't compliment her in everything. Amazing stuff. It really is. And I've had more fun coaching females right now. Coaching at New Jersey City University with Ashley Martinez is the best time of my life. I'm having more fun. Hey, I had some great teams in high school. In my 30-something, 30 36 years of coaching varsity softball, you know, and I'm, I'm just telling you, it was because of how I treated the girl, not because of how great of a coach I was. But we never had a losing record, yeah. ever. And well, the point Jack, is, is that when girls connect, they play for you. I hear and you. And you got to earn their trust. 
I hear hey, Jack. Great, great insights, and uh, uh, yeah, that's a fascinating story about you how how praising one of your top players actually got her ended up her basically quitting the team. Uh, amazing. Let me let me let me move on, Jack. Thank you as always. Great stuff. Um, yeah, that's a, that's that as, that that typical that that's in a story that Jack Smithland just related. That's exactly what we're talking about. How these things there are differences in the way you connect uh, with the boys and girls, and his story uh, really sort of highlights that. All right, let me let me take a time out. We're, I'm curious to get more thoughts, comments, stories like that. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. That's our number. When I return, uh, Steve in Manhattan, you're up next. Stay with me. Quick reminder: next next Sunday morning is the uh, the fiftieth uh, running of the New York City Marathon. And what's become our, our traditional custom here on the Sports Edge, my guest next Sunday will be longtime running coach uh, Joel Pasternak. And we'll be discussing some of the, well, some of the basic misconceptions of running uh, when it comes to our kids and uh, even ourselves. Everything from finding the, the right kind of running shoes, uh, the importance of uh, stretching, proper stretching before any race, to what's the, the right kind of, of clothing to wear, to what really is the best nutrition, uh, how to work with a, a private running coach, and, and much more. That's all next week on the Sports Edge on the 50th anniversary of the New York City Marathon. I also want to spend a, a moment regarding the passing this week of the father of the concept of flow. Now, forgive me, I'm going to mispronounce his name. I've never mastered uh, his name, his pronunciation over the years. But Dr. Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi Mihia, I apologize again for my poor pronunciation. But Dr. C, that's how I refer to him, brilliant man and his book, his best-selling book on flow, The Psychology of Optimal Experience, is really a classic. Uh, now, look, in the world of competitive sports, flow is more commonly known as being in the zone, as uh, being on fire, having the hot hand, uh, when you're in such a, a, a perfect groove that everything seems to slow down. You are in total control of your game, and everything in your game is working just as you had always dreamed. Now, athletes have known about this elevated mental state for decades, but it was Dr. C who studied it and wrote his best-selling book about flow, uh, when you are so focused on the task at hand that you're not even aware of the time flying by or of any outside you know, distractions like hearing the crowd roar, you're just in that zone. Now, the problem is no one has ever come up with a formula or a surefire way to create a state of flow. It just seems to happen when one is totally focused on their game. But it was Dr. C who first labeled this emotional high and the world of sports psychology fully embraced it. Uh, he was really just a, a landmark psychologist. He's, he, Dr. C was 87 years old. Okay, moving on. We're talking this morning about the differences between coaching boys and girls in sports. And if you heard uh, early on the show, I went through uh, uh, observations from UNC legendary women's soccer coach Anson Dorrance. Clearly, he's, he's had a, he modified uh, and learned over the years in terms of coaching women. He was very successful coaching the men's team at UNC, but he said, no, there's, there are changes. You have to be very sensitive as to how you go about coaching 
uh, women and also men. And also Allison Foley, the former coach at Boston College, was saying the same thing. So these are coaches who are doing this for a living and they're very successful and they obviously know that this is where it's all about. They, they, they say, look, you have to embrace these, these differences, otherwise you're not going to connect with your athletes. You're not going to be able to, to really communicate with them. And uh, we heard Jack Smith and talk about the same thing. I mean, it, you know, he, he, he basically turned away one of his best players by simply praising her in front of the teammates. And he realized he had to change that and he had to go back and, and, and make amends with the girl and with her parents because, I mean, look, what, what could ever be wrong giving somebody praise? But he learned that, that he learned the hard way. Let's continue with our calls, 877-337-6666. This is interesting stuff. Uh, as I promised, uh, Steve in Manhattan, uh, you're up next on the fan. All right, and good morning, and that's the smartest thing to do. I put my name up in Mark Key just before the commercial. You hold everybody, <laughs> and the, the audience increase. <laughs> now, everybody, to, to everyone, happy Halloween. I mean, it was some of the greatest times of our lives, and I think it was more fun back then. And uh, the thing is, let's face it, sometimes when you're dealing with sports, you deal with all different types of personalities. You had the last caller. I mean, he started off, he was pretty much getting pretty close to General Patton territory, and then he ended up, he turned into Oprah at the end there. <laughs> but I did, I did hear him say that that girl was bullied. Now, if she was bullied off the team, those other the kids bullying her get off the team. I don't believe in that. Some people don't like praise. I didn't like it because I, I could get bashful from it. I didn't want to be praised in front of people. That's different personalities. Yeah. I had a brother who loved it. He, he relished in that. Everyone has different type personalities. You have to realize that. As far as I, I've seen with girls, I mean, I was growing up, there were girls that were called tomboys. These girls were great athletes, you know. They, when we were young, they could come out and play basketball with us and everything. Sure. But at a certain level, you know, they couldn't compete with us. But when they were young, they were great athletes, those girls. But you have to treat it, I really believe, on an individual basis. I don't believe in generalizing boys and girls. I've seen some of the toughest girls you will ever see, you know, play sports and everything. And, and some guys, they strike out. And I've seen the guy, I couldn't believe it, crying like a 17-year-old crying on the bench. Because he, you know, he gave up. He was pitching. He got bombed and stuff. I mean, personalities. I want to emphasize so really different. And the thing is, I'm, I really believe there's certain formulas that like you brought up. Uh, players. I think it's really instinct. I think the greatest players have tremendous instinct. You would never know a Joe DiMaggio. And I didn't know it. Until I started seeing film clips. I watched this guy run the bases. I watched the way he timed the ball on the outfield. He knew every hit. It. These guys. I'm pretty sure they're born with it. They have what's called visualization. And my, my thing well, is, like, if your kid is a very good ball player, when he's young, you be the coach of the Little League yeah, but team. Steve, let me, let, sure me, let, me st- let me stop you there. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I agree with you, certainly, that uh, the takeaway, and thank you for the call this morning because I want to get some other calls as well. The, the, the takeaway from all this is that if you are going to coach boys and girls, whether you're collegiate, club, high school, youth level, you are going to have to understand that in order to connect with your players, particularly depending on their gender, you're going to have to be sensitive as to how you connect with them. And that, that's, it isn't like one size fits all. 
maybe back in the day, everybody sort of said, well, I'm going to coach uh, the kids and I'm going to be a tough guy. I'm going to be, you know, cut from the same cloth as, I don't know, Vince Lombardi. It doesn't work anymore. Never did work properly uh, in terms of, of uh, that perception of Coach Lombardi because he got to know his players on an individual basis. But the point is, you're going to have to pay attention <clears throat> in terms of coaching girls differently than coaching boys. And I think that's the overall takeaway from this. And if you're not paying attention to that, you're going to run some problems. It's as simple as that. Let's move on. Let's go to Rich up in uh, Fairfield. Hey, Rich, good morning. You're on the fan. Rick, good morning. I've, I've been a listener for many years. You are always um, doing a great job and a uh, very informative uh, session when you're on the, on the radio. Thank you. And um, first of all, I'd like to say on this topic, it would be nice to hear from some of the women about uh, what they would like better growing up, uh, coaching-wise. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I umpired and coached for uh, 30 years, more umpiring, but I coached a, you know, a few rec league teams. And I always found that the best way to – whatever you're doing is to treat people kindly. Yep. And, um, you know, you can't go wrong with that. And when you're, when you're trying to, to help a, a woman, a woman out more so, uh, if you have a critique and really not a critique, but to help them play better or something, just do it privately. So they, uh, so it's not, you don't have to do everything in front of the team. You don't, you know, you don't have, you know, like you said, they don't really want to be singled out a lot of times. And, um, in uh, sports on a female team, like any team, there will be leaders on the team that also help you coach. And, you know, they'll, they'll get your point across. And, uh, and, um, I, I, like Rich, I said, I, I umpire. Is this, I, I agree with you. I mean, to me, uh, one of the basic tenets of coaching boys or girls, if you have, if there's an issue you want to talk about, it's much better uh, to certainly, especially if it's a critical issue or criticism, you want to talk to the kid off to the side in private. Um, what's curious about this is when you hear these, these successful uh, college soccer coaches saying, but even with praise, you don't. You got to be careful doling out praise in public uh, in front of the team to single out one of your players because that that may actually backfire on you. You have every intent to base. You want to make the you know make the the kid feel good, but it may backfire on the on the, on you if you try to single out one of your female players. That's curious. The point is, Rich, and I agree with you. That there has to be a certain level of sensitivity uh, as to what you say and how you say it, because if you don't. It could really, really destroy any kind of rapport that you have as a coach with your team, particularly with with the women. Uh, it, it's it's very odd um, that I haven't seen this discussed more often or brought up more often. H have you seen that at all? Uh, no. Um, ha you know, more often than not, with the praise, just uh, keep it to a minimum because they don't want to hear the good. Th you know, they keep the game going, and uh, you know. And, and just getting back to the umpiring, and that we have this problem with the umpires. I know it's not the subject today. You know, I, 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 I'm all done umpiring because I, I have an injury now, but uh, I'm trying to get that rectified. But, um, you know, I, I would umpire when I did a co-ed softball game. I would take both coaches before the game, and I would say, hey, listen, we're not here to throw any of the women out from the outfield. And, uh, you know, you get the six-foot-four athlete playing uh, right center or left center trying to throw out a girl at first base who might play uh, softball once or twice a year. And uh, that worked very well for me, you know, making uh, the other – you know, having the other teams 
respect the abilities of the other people, not trying to, yeah, to yeah, make I, them. Yeah, I, I no, I get you, Rich, and I I, I agree with you that. Uh, and again, uh, and, and again, th- thank you for the, your thoughts this morning. I, I much appreciate them. You know, the fact is that there are, especially obviously uh, as the girls and boys, uh, times have changed. Uh, we're no longer. I mean, Title IX was close to 50 years ago, and and now, as I said at, uh, early on in the program, uh, boys and girls growing up today fully accept the fact that uh, all boys and all girls play sports and play competitive sports, and and it gets full respect. That's the way it should be. But the fact of the matter is that um, in terms of the coaching, I often wonder whether or not our coaches today, and it would be nice to have heard from some, some women coaches about you know uh, all this, but that's why I, was, I wanted to include the, the Allison Foley's comments from Boston College to see what she had to say. And she had a lot to say about all this. And, and clearly, it's something that maybe I, I hope is, is uh, th- talked about amongst uh, high school athletic directors and, and travel team coaches, because clearly, as we heard from uh, with, with Coach Smithlin, there are differences, big differences, and they can really, as I said, backfire on you if you don't understand the parameters of how to connect and how to be sensitive to the needs of both the boys and the girls in terms of their athletic aspirations. Interesting stuff to be sure. I find this stuff to be fascinating. Okay, that's going to do it for me and this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks, as always, to the amazing Ed Arzuman. Stick around for the NFL preview. I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.